Welcome back to Louisville Reads. I'm your host, Dave Campbell, here on your community radio station on the 6.5 FM WFMPLP Louisville, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Reviewing Franco-Korean writer Elisa Shua de Sapin's stunning 2016 novella, Winter in Sokjaw. Stay tuned. I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! Greetings to all Democracy Now! listeners on Pacifica Affiliate Forward Radio 106.5 FM, WFMPLP in Louisville, Kentucky. This grassroots community radio station relies on volunteer power and your financial support to continue broadcasting the progressive, national, and homegrown local programming you've come to expect from Forward Radio. At a time when our public airwaves are being gobbled up by corporate interests, here's an open mic dedicated to local voices, civic engagement, and community empowerment. Please go to forwardradio.org and pledge your generous support today. Thank you so much. Welcome to episode 30 of Louisville Reads, kicking off our summer reading program this episode and celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month here in the United States, reviewing Franco-Korean writer Elisa Shua de Sapin's beautiful 2016 novella Winter in Sokjo. Translated into English by Anissa Abbas Higgins in 2021 and winner of the National Book Award for Translated Literature that same year. The 2022 Pulitzer Prize winners were announced on May 9th and we'll read and review the 2022 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction winner, The Nate Yahoos, by Jewish American novelist Joshua Cohen in June, followed by the winners of the United Kingdom's prestigious Man Booker Prizes, both national and international, in July and August. And take it from me, those winners are always fantastic. Additionally, I want to run a special episode of Louisville Reads this summer covering the works of Belarusian journalist Svetlana Alexievich, winner of the 2015 Nobel Prize in Literature for her oral history, the 1986 Chernobyl disaster in northern Ukraine, and considered one of the great documentarians of the complexities of post-Soviet reality in Eastern Europe, a reality we have been seeing on the news literally every night for the past three months. Once considered obscure, Alexievich's work may end up being some of the most important and prophetic currently in print. Speaking of important, a friendly reminder that if you enjoy the programming you hear on Louisville Reads or any of the shows you hear on Forward Radio 106.5 FM, WFMPLP Louisville, you can make a tax-deductible monetary donation at any time. Please visit Forward Radio forward slash donate to support the cause. Also visit us on Facebook at forward slash Lou Reads FM, that's L-O-U Reads FM, Visit us on Twitter at forward slash Lou Reads FM. Visit us on Instagram at forward slash Lou Reads FM. Follow our YouTube and SoundCloud links to archived episodes for both Louisville Reads and the former Read and Succeed, and leave your thoughts and comments. We would love to hear from you. This is Louisville Reads. I'm Dave Campbell. The interview you are about to hear is a May 2021 conversation between Franco-Korean writer Alicia Shua de Sapin and her English translator Anissa Abbas Higgins about Ms. Dusapin's 2016 novella, Hiver a Sokcho, translated into English in 2021 as Winter in Sokcho, and winner of the 2021 National Book Award for Translated Literature. 
The host of this discussion is the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and special thanks to them and Ms. Dusapan in particular for making this content available to Louisville Reads. To learn more about the Loft Center, please visit loft.org. Winter in Sokcho echoes in many ways the 2021 Man Booker International Prize at Night All Blood is Black by French Senegalese novelist David Jop that we reviewed last summer. Both texts are by multilingual and multiracial French authors. Both texts utilize the novella format and, most importantly, both texts manage to wring out the maximum, quite shocking amount of human emotion in the least amount of pages possible. Whereas Mr. Jop's tale of a colonial Senegalese rifleman descending into madness in the trenches of World War I is a rich, brilliant study of powerful emotions that lead to tragic actions, Mr. Sapin's novella is a rich, brilliant study of powerful emotions that lead to tragic inactions. Set in the South Korean coastal town of Sokcho, not 20 miles or so from the eastern terminus of the DMZ with North Korea, winter in Sokcho is, like life near the DMZ itself, and like life in beachy, touristy Sokcho and its winter layover, a snapshot of limbo, a place where something, anything, good or bad, is on the horizon, but it simply isn't happening right now. Seen and told entirely through the eyes of an unnamed 24-year-old female Korean narrator, the story starts with the arrival of a middle-aged French anime artist named Jan Carand. Checking into a shabby Sokcho guesthouse, looking to shake up the creative doldrums in his own life, and unwittingly shaking up the emotional doldrums in the narrator's. Layer upon layer of the boundary lines and the otherwise private, reclusive narrator's own life are revealed, eating disorders, visible and invisible scars, shame, long-distance relationships, mother-daughter relationships, etc., as Karan's presence unlocks a mysterious desire in her to be seen from, quote-unquote, the other side, i.e., Karan's side, and seen in the fullness of her humanity and femininity, both physically, mentally, spiritually, creatively, and sexually. Similar to the onslaught of military hell that could rain down on Sokcho from the DMZ at a moment's notice, but hasn't, with the onslaught of exposed tourist skin coming to Sokcho in the summer, but hasn't, the narrator and Karan's interactions are pregnant with every kind of high-powered sensual impulse the quite sensual Sokchow has to offer, but at the end of the day nothing ever happens. All the impenetrable boundaries remain on the DMZ, and the town and the narrator simply watch wave after wave break upon the shore and wait for things in the future. As the reader ponders if maybe the most powerful emotions in the world are those that lie dormant for an entire life. This is Louisville Reads. I'm Dave Campbell. Thank you all very much for joining us. Um, I am Kai Stramanis from Open Letter Books, and I am here today with both Elisa Shua Dusapan and with translator Anissa Abbas Higgins um, to talk about uh, Elisa's book, Winter in Sokcho. And Elisa was born in France in 1992 and raised in Paris, Seoul, and Switzerland. Winter in Sokcho is her first novel, and it was published in 2016 to wide acclaim, and it has been translated into six languages, including into English, which is where Anissa comes in. She has translated books by Elisa Shua de Supin, Venus Currigada, oh man, you had to choose French, <laughs> didn't you? Sahar Ben Jeloun, Ali Zamir, and Nina Burawi. 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Ooh, all right. Um, Seven Stones by Venus Corrigata was shortlisted for the Scott Moncrie Translation Prize, and both A Girl Called Eel by Ali Zamir and What Became of the White Savage by Francois Gard won Pen Translates Awards. So we are here with two. Oh, Kaya, can I? Can I? Is that, I need to update it. That, oh um, yes, please. Ali Zamir's A Girl Called Eel. Um, was won the Scott. It was oh, that's right. Scott, I was yeah, wondering yeah. where that happened. You did yeah. tell me that. Yeah, that yes, happened so... in February. So yeah. <laughs> perfect. Yes, let's correct that. So it is yeah. the winner. It is the yeah. winner. That that's prize. right. <laughs> um, so in short, we are here today with two incredibly talented women. Um, and I'm very excited to be here and hear more from both of you about this book. So we know the title is Winter in Sokcho, and the beginning of the book is, in my mind, clearly describing the guest house, and there's a guest, so we're getting this very clear introduction, but um, Anissa, could you, or both of you, but could tell us a little bit about what the book is about, because it's not, it's not just about <laughs> winter um, in Sokcho, and it's not just about this guest house, there's so, so much more. Elisa? Um, hmm. For me, I think this is mostly a book about, about um, communication um, and how we can try to communicate uh, without the language. Et maintenant, je continue en français parce C'est un livre qui est né d'un questionnement que j'ai depuis toujours sur la question de la multiculturalité. Euh, Qu'est-ce que ça signifie de porter en soi des cultures qui sont très différentes et qui parfois se, euh, enfin se heurtent, ne sont pas forcément... Euh, euh, harmonieuses, en tout cas dans, dans mon expérience. Ok, so um, Elisa is... Um... This book is mostly about communication and she's very interested in, in the question of multiculturalism and what it means to carry within oneself two cultures which are very different and some, some of the time they, 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 they rub up against each other, they bang against, up against each other and it, it's, it's not always harmonious. Et je crois que pendant longtemps j'ai été consciente du fait que Euh, dans ma propre famille, on a toujours parlé plusieurs langues, mais euh, c'est pas parce qu'on partage forcément la même euh, langue ou qu'on arrive à parler euh, parce que justement on parle, enfin euh, voilà, la même langue, que on se comprend forcément, puisque c'est. So, 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 so um, Elisa, in her own family, the, people speak different languages. There are a number of languages spoken, but she's always been very aware of the fact that that communicating with each other doesn't come simply from speaking the same language. You can speak the same language and still have difficulties communicating. Right. Et euh, en fait, je crois que j'ai commencé à écrire ce livre pour tout ce que je ne suis pas capable de dire dans ma deuxième langue maternelle qui est le coréen. Mm. So she thinks she, she started writing this book to say everything that she wasn't able to say in her, in, in her second mother tongue, which is Korean, yeah. Et um, c'est pour ça que, comme j'ai réalisé que tous mes personnages dans ce roman parlent une autre langue que le français, alors que je n'écris que en français, mm -hmm. j'ai essayé de chercher quelle pouvait être 
la façon pour eux de se rencontrer ou de se dire, en fait. Et je me suis dit que la cuisine, pour la narratrice, euh, ça pouvait être intéressant, et le dessin pour l'homme. Donc, en fait, voilà, trouver des, des façons qui, de pouvoir s'exprimer sans passer, en fait, par le, par le langage. So, um, Elisa, was, because she was writing this book in French, only in French, and yet her characters in the book aren't speaking French or aren't necessarily speaking French or, don't, or, or they don't speak French. So she wanted to find other ways to get them to communicate with each other. And that for her, the, 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 the two ways, means of communication in the book are through food and cooking and for the, the, the male character, the male protagonist, for, through drawing and, and visual imagery. Du coup, je crois que je pourrais résumer en disant que c'est un livre qui parle fondamentalement de tentatives de communication, mais aussi de la notion de frontière, euh, entre la frontière entre les langues, entre les êtres, entre les cultures, et aussi géopolitique, finalement, entre la Corée du Nord, la Corée du Sud, So, so, so the book is, 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 is about communication across frontiers and frontiers of, 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 of um, language and culture and also of geop geopolitical frontiers because of the border between North and South Korea um, that, that, is, that is so important in this book and, and that is a, a, a frontier that plays a role communicating across, across that or around that, yeah. Et peut-être la dernière chose qui me vient à l'esprit spontanément, c'est que j'ai écrit ce roman entre 17 et 20 ans à peu près, à un âge où je sortais de l'adolescence et où j'avais été, et comme je pense beaucoup de femmes sur cette planète, très marquées par la question de l'identité mais aussi l'identité féminine dans le mm. voilà so and the, and the other idea that, that comes into her head when she's asked this question she remembers that she wrote this book Elisa wrote this book when she was very young between the ages of 17 and 20 so a lot of questions about identity and um, particularly about f feminine and female identity and, 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 and being a being a young woman so. je crois que c'est pour ça qu'il me tenait à cœur de créer un personnage féminin qui soit en fait très mal à l'aise avec l'image qu'elle a d'elle-même et qui cherche sans cesse à exister à travers le regard des autres, mmh. mais dans des regards qui lui renvoient des modèles dans lesquels elle ne se reconnaît pas, donc elle est toujours en quête d'elle-même en fait. Yeah, so she watches, this is what, one of the things that drove her to write about a, a young woman who was in search of her own identity and always looking for an image of herself. Um, and, and what she finds is an image of herself reflected in other people that doesn't necessarily correspond to the image that she has of herself. So it's a question of, of, of a, a search for self, a search for identity and for one's own image. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I, I'm so glad that Elisa, you had such a, such um, a detailed response to that question, because that's, that's also so indicative of the style sort of of the book itself in the sense that um, it sounds like a simple question, what is the book about? And yet there are all these different layers. And that's that's one of the things that we really loved about the book when we um, in Open Letter uh, acquired the US rights, um, Don's publishing in the UK published it initially. Um, and 
are, you know, we were very drawn by the sparsity of the language and the sort of ambiguity um, about those relationships and the identity and especially, you know, like you were saying, the, the female protagonist, her, her character's relationship to the people around her. But there is that, there is that sparsity. Like it's not, it's, it's almost like the perfect example of show don't tell. I mean, those, Elisa's description is not, you know, laid out before you in the book, but all of those things, it's, I'm even getting, I'm even getting like a, an emotional response right now, listening to it and listening to you both talk and, and thinking about the book, because that's, it's something you pick up on it. You, you pick up on all those things with just like, I'm even having a hard time explaining it because mm -hmm. it's, it's so, it's so sparse and it's so beautiful, but it, it stays with you. Um, it really, really stays with you. And um, Elisa, I, I loved your answers. And you know, I was going to ask how you yourself as the author were drawn to this story, but I feel like your answers kind of explain that in a way. And so Anissa, I'm, I'm also curious how you were, what drew you to this book? Because um, you, this was a book that you read and wanted to work on correct mm -hmm. this was not assigned yeah. to you yeah so I would love yeah. to hear I would love to hear um, your take on that yeah um I perhaps if I jump in and explain how I how I found this book because yeah. um I think it echoes some of your experience too that um well the first thing is I, I, I picked it up um from my local bookshop in France um during a heat wave it was a very very hot um few days and um I bought the book and took it home and read it in one sitting. And I think on a, on a, you know, on a purely physical level, um, I was drawn into it because it was about <laughs> intense cold. It is very, very cold. And this was such a hot day, but, um, and these things like this, you know, do play a part. And, but the, the fact that I was so drawn into it is evocative is, 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 because of the way Eliza writes it. And I knew immediately that I loved her style of writing, which is to use a great economy of language. She uses mm -hmm. very few words to say an enormous amount. Yes. And I know she has said that she was influ influenced by Marguerite Duras. And commentators love to say that so-and-so is the new Marguerite Duras. And um, I, I think that what Eliza manages to do, which is something that Duras talked about and, 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 and did was that she would, she, Duras regarded writing, um, I remember reading somewhere as something to do, it's like you throw a stone into a pond and it's the ripples that come out that, that, that are important. And Elisa has that ability to say something in a few words, which evokes a huge array of images, thoughts, perceptions, memories, feelings. And, um, and I knew that it would be a challenge to translate because in so few words to convey all of that and to find the right words to do it in English, mm -hmm. I knew would keep me busy for a long time. You know, sometimes the writers that spill it all out and say more are easier to translate because you've got mm -hmm. more words to, to, to juggle with. With Elisa, it's short, but it has to be perfect. So mm -hmm. um, it was a great challenge and a great joy to translate it. Yeah. For those who join us, this is a May 2021 interview with Franco-Korean writer Elisa Shua de Sapin and her English translator Anissa Abbas Higgins, about their winner of the 2021 National Book Award for Translated Literature, Winter in Sokchow. 
the host for this discussion was the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. To learn more about the Loft Literary Center, please visit loft.org. To listen to this entire interview, please visit us on Facebook at forward slash Lou Reads FM. What was the what was the collaboration uh, process like? Did you were you both in touch during the translation or? I'll let Elisa start on that one and then I'll tell you. Alors déjà, je dois répéter encore à quel point je suis euh, touchée par le, la traduction de Anissa à différents niveaux. Déjà parce que je parle très mal anglais, mais j'ai la chance de le comprendre. Et du coup, j'ai pu lire la traduction. Et c'est toujours un, un cadeau de voir combien une autre sensibilité adapte son texte. Parce que même si je pense que le travail d'un traducteur, c'est de rester le plus près possible, il y a quand même forcément une, une imprégnation de la personnalité de la traductrice et je trouve que Anissa avait à la fois euh, une, bah, en fait elle aussi une immense euh, attention aux détails et à la, le, le souci de la compréhension juste de, de ce que j'ai fait et je l'ai perçu à travers les, les questions que, que j'ai reçues. On a beaucoup échangé par email et pour moi, ça m'a permis parfois de réaliser que certains. Enfin, ça m'a permis de mieux comprendre ce que j'ai fait. Donc, c'est vraiment euh, un cadeau dans tous les sens du terme. Um, so, um, Elise is very nice about being very nice about, about my translation and, and saying that um, it, it, she she can understand it, even though she she doesn't speak English very well. She certainly reads it and um, and that she's very touched by how close to her original I managed to remain mm -hmm. um, and and that we we did we we did communicate a great deal and um, it, I think we communicated because I wanted to be sure that I had I had because when you read something there are so many ways to interpret it to understand it and and I wanted to be sure that my understanding of it came close to what it was that Elisa was intending herself and she said and this often happens with dialogues between writers and, and translators that um, sometimes the questions would provoke her into thinking about you know what, what she actually had really meant because um, you know sometimes when when you're writing you're not thinking about all these things you're just writing mm -hmm. so um, it, it, it was a very rewarding collaboration for both of us and um, I was very grateful that um, Elisa appreciated because as she did she just pointed out when you translate you 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 you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the author's voice but it's inevitable that some of your own voice will creep into it as well and i think that we were very lucky in the, in in this book in that our our visions co corresponded um you know they 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 really slotted together very comfortably and smoothly i, I think i felt that right from the start i felt very comfortable in elisa's voice and um, it was, it, it, you know, it was, it was, um, well, that, that, you know, that made it pleasurable for both of us, I think, yes. Peut-être, je, je voudrais réagir par rapport à ce que vous avez dit avant sur le, la langue qui est comme ça précise ou ramassée ou commencée. Je crois que pour moi, c'est dû principalement au fait que j'ai pas du tout une facilité d'écriture. Voilà, l'écriture ne me vient pas euh, facilement sous, sous la main. J'écris jamais beaucoup d'affilée. Et surtout, j'ai toujours eu très peur d'être dans du bavardage. Ou dans... Je pense que la pire critique qu'on pourrait me faire, c'est euh, Ah, elle parle pour parler, en fait. <rire> voilà. So, um, Elise was saying, um, she, 
for, for part of part of the the, the, the reason that, that her writing is so spare is that um, well one reason is that she doesn't find it easy to write she doesn't just sit down and pour it all out and she chooses her words very carefully and the other thing is that she is she is the, the worst the worst criticism you could make of her would be to say that she's just talking for the sake of talking and that she doesn't want to fall into the trap of just sort of spilling it all out and saying words for the sake of it. She wants to always be sure that she has chosen every word carefully and that she means what she says. And I know she said it before, um, that she she is very, very, she doesn't want to fall into the trap of writing in cliches. Um, and again, that's a challenge for the translator that I have to avoid cliche as well when I'm translating her because her writing is so original. Um, it's, it's both spare it's spare, it's original, and yet it's incredibly rich and um, mm -hmm. full of sensuous imagery and resonances. And, and it's like translating poetry, really. I mean, her, I, I, her writing is very poetic. Um, it, it's, not, it's not full of ornament. It's not full of you know, poetic devices, but it is poetic in the, respect, in, in the sense that you know, it does evoke so much. It is so rich in, in terms of the imagery that it, it provokes and... and um, and in times like this, it's something that we really need too. you know, and when our lives are, 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 are constrained to be able to read something that, that, that transports us to another world and, and gives us so much richness in so few words. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've started a thousand books over this pandemic that I don't finish because somehow it doesn't it just doesn't do it for me. And I know that Elisa's writing is something that anything of hers that I read um, I'm immediately into it and I'm, I'm, I'm transported. So um, that's, that's part of her style of writing. Yeah, absolutely. And her that... talent, her great talent, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very honored to be translating such a brilliant young woman. <laughs> and that, I mean, Anissa, to your credit, that, that absolutely comes through. Um, and even just the, the descriptions of the books, that's actually why our, our publisher, Chad Post, uh, got in touch with Daunt originally to see more of the book because he had read the Guardian article mm. um, about it coming out and you know that was mid-pandemic and he read it and thought wow that's that sounds like a very touching and comforting even though it's not technically comforting but a very you know mm. touching and a comforting emotional read mm. for a mm. pandemic and just so just just the idea drew him in it and I remember um I was saying to your credit, Anissa, even during the editing process, or not the editing, sorry, um, pardon me, um, the sort of North Americanization mm. process mm. of the language, I had multiple questions for you where mm. your answer, your answer was very much um, in line with what you just said was, you know, this, this needs to stay this way, or this is this way, because Eliza is very, you know, very particular and not particularly but very specific and very intentional there's mm. this this entire book is full of intent is full mm. of linguistic intent and that comes through um in the english as well um i don't i don't read enough french to um get much more than a glass of water out of someone but um it's it's beautiful very beautiful um i wanted to ask very quickly also um, for Elisa, uh, just because I don't know, but why, why Sokcho? Hmm. Um, au début, l'histoire devait se passer à Pusan, qui est la deuxième plus grande ville de Corée. Uh, la seule chose qui était importante au début pour moi, c'était que ce soit une ville portuaire. 
parce que je voulais faire un parallèle entre les plages de Normandie, euh, où j'ai grandi en partie en France, et les plages de Corée qui me semblaient très similaires. So, so she said she was originally going to set it somewhere else. Where was it you were going to? I didn't, I, I can't, I didn't hear the, I know you told me before, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but um, she wanted, she, she, the most important thing for her to, to for, for her choice of place was that it would be a city that was a port, a port city. She wanted it to be by the sea because she wanted to make the parallel with um, um, with, with, with Normandy, where, where she spent a lot of her childhood, where she did grow up. So that feeling of being by the sea, Normandy, and that was part of it, yeah. J'ai toujours trouvé les villes portuaires particulièrement poignantes pour moi parce mm. que ce sont forcément des villes de départ et d'arrivée euh, mm. et... Enfin, à partir desquelles on est potentiellement dans un grand danger puisque l'océan c'est quand même quelque chose qui est par définition relativement imprévisible. Mm. So um, for her, port cities have always been particularly important and poignant because they're places of departure and arrival, but also the proximity of the mer, the, the, not the, the sea and the ocean. Um, it, it does it represents danger too because the ocean can be very 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 um, threatening and dangerous force. Et c'est vrai que symboliquement, je trouvais beau aussi l'idée que où qu'on soit sur la planète, si on regarde la mer ou l'océan, on voit partout la même chose. Mais si on mm. se retourne et qu'on est du côté de la Terre, ça peut être mm. complètement différent. Yeah, and it was important to, to that the, the realization that wherever you are on the Earth, when you look out to sea, you're going to see the same thing. It's not whereas if you turn around and look to the land, it's going to be different wherever you are. But the sea and the ocean are, are always The vistas will be the same or similar from wherever you are. Mais donc euh, je commence à écrire euh, l'histoire à Pousanne et en fait quand je commence un livre je sais jamais vraiment ce que je vais raconter ni ce que seront les personnages mm. et je m'apercevais que plus j'avançais plus la narratrice commençait à exister en moi plus en fait il y avait un décalage entre le côté grande ville bouillonnante de Pousanne et l'intériorité de la narratrice. So she, as she, when she began writing the book, setting it in Pusan, um, she, as, as she, she didn't know what she was going to write about when she started. She said she doesn't, she doesn't. And that as the, the, the female character started to develop and started to take hold and she started to understand her, there, there was something wrong about it. It, it, it wasn't working. It didn't, it didn't fit with, it, with, with the setting that she had originally. Et je me suis aussi rendu compte que je n'arrivais pas du tout à parler de façon psychologique des personnages et que justement c'était au contraire l'extérieur, leurs gestes, leurs actions ou le, les lieux qui décrivaient en fait la psychologie des personnages. Yes, so she said she realized that she, as she was writing, she, she wasn't she wasn't writing the, the sort of the, the psychological, giving psychological portraits, interior psychological portraits of her characters. That it was all happening through the outside of them and from what was around them, what surrounded them, and, and looking in at them from the outside through their actions and what they said and and and, and how they moved about, rather than telling us what was going on in their heads. Mm. Et par conséquent, je me suis mise à chercher un autre endroit qui pouvait correspondre aux personnages qui commençaient à, à arriver. Et là, je me suis rappelée d'un voyage que j'avais fait euh, vraiment par hasard à Sokcho avec ma famille. On s'était trompé de bus, donc on était arrivé là par hasard. <rire> C'était l'automne et sur le moment, la ville ne m'avait pas du tout marquée, en fait. 
So, so she said that as she was she she started looking for a town that was that seemed to fit her characters more, and she she remembered that with her family she had taken a trip to Sokcho. Um, it was that they had they had in fact they'd gone there by mistake. They they'd got on the wrong bus and they ended up in the wrong place. And it was in the autumn, and it wasn't a town that had made any particular impression on her. It just you know it didn't it hadn't marked her particularly. Pour le moment, ça m'avait plutôt choqué en négatif. J'avais l'impression que c'était comme une sorte de petit parc d'attractions pour attirer des touristes, parce qu'apparemment c'est une ville très touristique en été, mais plutôt morte en hiver. Et euh, voilà, tout était plutôt un peu triste, mais en repensant à mon histoire, je me suis dit, en fait, c'est peut-être quelque chose qui pourrait correspondre. Et... So, so, so she she found thinking about it. It was a rather sad town. It looked a bit like a sort of mini um, um, uh, amusement park almost because it was very touristy in the summer, and but a bit sad in the winter. And uh, the more she thought about it, the more she began to realize that this this was a town that perhaps could could suit the characters that she was writing about. Et du coup, je suis retournée euh, pendant le processus d'écriture euh, à Sokcho toute seule pendant deux, trois semaines euh, pour vraiment m'imprégner du lieu, mais je n'ai pas du tout écrit sur le lieu. J'ai vraiment plutôt été comme une forme d'éponge où j'ai juste regardé mm. énormément pour vraiment euh, m'imprégner. Mm. So she went back there again. She went back to Sokcho by herself and spent two or three weeks there um, and looked, sort of wandered around. And while she was there, she didn't write anything about Sokcho. She just approached it all like a sponge, taking in all of the, the, the sensations and the feelings and the, the, the sights and the sounds of being there. Et c'est à ce moment-là que j'ai trouvé tout d'un coup cette ville incroyablement belle dans cette dualité entre la proximité de, de la frontière nord-coréenne, mm. finalement la violence omniprésente, et en même temps des parcs naturels magnifiques, mm. la dureté de la vie finalement des, des poissonniers, des gens qui attendent, qui attendent finalement le, les touristes pour le, la haute saison. Et je, je crois que vraiment ce climat de l'attente de la fin d'une guerre, l'attente mm. de la haute saison, ça m'a semblé tout d'un coup parfaitement convenir à ce que j'avais envie d'exprimer. Enfin, ça m'a vraiment beaucoup touché et j'ai eu comme envie de rendre hommage à cette ville. So, so while she was there and thinking about it, she realized that this was a town that was, in some ways, was extremely beautiful, and and it had this tension of the proximity to the the border with North Korea and the the the, the feeling of ever present violence and and um, this this ongoing war that's 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 never never found a resolution and then at the same time there was the proximity of the beauty the beauty of the natural parks um and and all of this seemed to her to be um very touching and very poignant and suitable for and also there's the sense of waiting the fact that the people's life was hard that they were always waiting they were waiting for the tourist season to come um waiting for things to happen and it all seemed very fitting I love it. You, Elisa, you sound like a, you sound like a very, very wise soul. I mean, beyond your years, <laughs> I think you're younger than me even. And I'm amazed at the at the thought process and the the are just the artistic process. For those who join us, this is a May 2021 interview with Franco-Korean writer Elisa Shua de Sapin and her English translator Anissa Abbas Higgins about their winner of the 2021 National Book Award for Translated Literature, Winter in Sokchow. 
The host for this discussion was the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. To learn more about the Loft Literary Center, please visit loft.org. To listen to this entire interview, please visit us on Facebook at forward slash Lou Reads FM. Did, uh, did either of you research um, any graphic novels while writing the book for Elisa or even while translating? Um, Elisa? J'ai eu l'idée de, de créer un personnage auteur de bande dessinée parce que à ce moment-là, j'étais étudiante et je faisais un stage euh, à la télévision suisse qui faisait un reportage sur un auteur de bande dessinée. Donc, euh, c'est vraiment en l'observant euh, dessiner à travers le viseur d'une caméra que j'ai vu comme ça cette main dessiner une femme et tout. Et ça m'a directement inspiré euh, en grande partie le, le style des dessins que j'ai imaginé après dans le roman. So, so when she was uh, writing this book, she was at the time a student, an art student. Um, is that right? He said that you, were, you, you were a student when you were writing the book, yeah. And um, one of the assignments that she had to do um, was to watch a graphic artist at work and watch the artist through a lens so that she, she had these images in her mind of this hand drawing a woman's, woman's form. So she did actually see all this. So it was very much... Um, inspired by that, yes. Mais du coup, il y a eu voilà, cette inspiration première, mais après, je crois que j'ai fait dans ma tête plutôt un collage de tout un monde visuel, mais autant issu du cinéma. J'ai vu, vu beaucoup de films de Wong Kar Wai, par exemple, euh, et, mais aussi de la photographie, du, de la peinture. Euh, Edward Hopper, par exemple, ça m'a beaucoup inspiré. Euh, mm. Voilà, plus un mélange de beaucoup de choses que spécifiquement les graphic novels. So, so she, and she was very much inspired by the visual arts, by graphic novels, by cinema, by, by, by comics and all the things that she's seen and various artists who've inspired her. So, yes, that was very much an inspiration. Yeah. Je crois d'ailleurs que je suis incapable d'écrire quoi que ce soit si visuellement je ne le vois pas en moi. Mm. So she says she, 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 I'll just do that. She, she can't, she, she's not capable of describing anything that she can't actually see visually herself within, in, within her own head. Yeah. Et du coup, j'ai vraiment besoin de voir presque comme un storyboard, en fait, dans ma tête, mm. pour construire le... Yeah, so she, so, and she needs to see a storyboard in her head. Of, of, of what she's doing. And in fact, I mean, that was part of the process of translation of this book for me was that I had to be able to see the images and that I worked from the images that I saw um, and that, that some, sometimes those were the questions that I asked Elisa because I, you know, I wanted to be sure that what I was seeing was that corresponded to what she wanted me to see and that I wasn't seeing something different. So um, it's a very, very visual um, book, yes. Yeah. And I, yeah, I did. I did research some 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 graphic artists while I was doing it too, because I was interested and I wanted to see what some of these. And I, I had um, my knowledge of, of of graphic novels and things. My son, when he was growing up, loved um, to read anything that was you know that had a lot of drawings in, and 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 so I had become um, acquainted with with some of the very the, the French graphic novels are very rich and there's an enormous variety of them a very particular style but also with the, the the korean style of drawing i mean i knew something about the japanese style but not so much about the korean style so um i think all of that came into play and it was very interesting to be 
you know, to be looking it up and researching it and using that to feed into it, because I know that Elisa was thinking of the same things. Are you gonna are you going to impress your son with your newfound graphic novel? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we it was it was a it was a mutual thing, you know. Um, you know, he educated me. And in fact, while I was teaching, one of the things that I loved using was was graphic novels because they were wonderful. I don't know if you know the the the, the, the book Persepolis, um, which, is, yep. um, which there was a film of that as well, and I used that for many years as a, as a great teaching tool. So um, I think that's kind of visual imagery when you want people to understand and relate to something. It's important. It's all part of the same thing. You know, we're all we're all trying to do the same thing with words and images and you know whatever it is, whatever medium it is you're using. Yeah. And then uh, going off of that, so another question was, um, who else besides Marguerite Duras, uh, Elisa, has influenced you as a writer? And you just mentioned, you know, some of you just mentioned graphic artists um, or or photographers, um, but maybe you could uh, give us a few specific names, some favorites that you have that influence you. Mm. C'est toujours difficile pour moi de répondre à cette question parce que j'ai l'impression de me nourrir énormément de choses tellement différentes et que en fait mes centres d'intérêt varient beaucoup beaucoup d'un projet à l'autre. So she says she always finds this very difficult because um, her, 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 she, she, she feels that she's been influenced and nourished by so many different artists and writers and, and, and that with every project she might be inspired by a different, a different group of, of, of creators. So it's a difficult question, which I can understand. Mais, I relate to that, yeah. Mais je vais d'y répondre quand même. Yeah, Et yeah. Spécifiquement, durant l'écriture de Ibera Sokcho, j'avais effectivement euh, l'amant de Marguerite Duras. Pas, mm. pas toute l'œuvre de Marguerite Duras, il y a des choses avec lesquelles j'ai plus de distance, mais en tout cas, ce livre-là, je, je le connais par cœur, je pense. Mm. Um, so, lu... the, so the, the, the particular work that, that inspired her with this novel was, and in terms of Duras, it was, wasn't her work in general, it was one novel in particular, The Lover, which, um, which people may be familiar, that's probably the most famous of, of, of Duras's work, and certainly in English too, yeah. C'est aussi une période où je lisais beaucoup de littérature d'extrême-orient pour vraiment m'imprégner de cette pensée, je pense. Et alors là, c'est difficile pour moi de citer un seul nom, à part peut-être Han Kang, qui est quand même très connu du coup internationalement. Mais c'est difficile parce que, en tout cas en Corée, le genre de la nouvelle est plus répandu que le roman. Et du coup, en France, parce que je les lis en traduction, c'est dans des recueils. Et donc, en fait, je me rappelle plus de l'histoire que du nom, en fait. So, um, Elisa was very much inspired by um, the work and the literature of writers from what we might call the Far East. Um, and they, they, their work is the, the much more in terms of short novels rather than long novels. So she was inspired by a number of a number of those writers. Is that, is that right, Elisa? Is that what you were saying? It's a bon, oui. Oui, oui, ça va bien, oui. <laughs> Et puis je pense aussi que une auteure qui m'a beaucoup influencée dans quelque chose de peut-être une forme d'étrangeté du quotidien, c'est uh, l'auteur japonaise Yoko Ogawa. Oh, okay. So, so in terms of the strangeness of everyday life, a writer who um, particularly influenced her was the Japanese writer Yoko Ogawa. Et sinon, 
il n'a absolument, je crois, rien à voir avec ce que je fais, mais j'admire beaucoup, beaucoup les auteurs qui font tout ce que je ne suis pas capable de faire. Et en l'occurrence, c'est un Américain, mais à cette période-là, j'ai lu beaucoup euh, William Faulkner aussi. Oh, okay. So, also in terms of writers that she admires, who, who, who she says can do things that she would never be capable of doing, um, absolutely not her, her way of working at all, but writers who she admired that at the time she'd been reading quite a bit of William Faulkner. And um, she was very inspired in a certain sense by that, yeah, if not in terms of the absolute style. <laughs> um, this is now to go back to Sokcho itself. It says, Winter in Sokcho closes with a delightfully ambiguous ending, open to a lot of possibilities. And this person is curious if you have a sense of what is next for these characters. Have you imagined what their lives look like after the novel ends? Alors, de toute façon, je ne peux pas répondre vraiment parce que je crois que cette fin, elle a été tellement difficile à trouver. J'ai mis plus qu'un an à écrire les trois dernières pages alors que mm. tout le livre était publié, enfin, près, je veux dire, était terminé. So the, 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 Elisa said the last three pages were the most difficult to write. That it took her a long, long. Did you did you say three years? No, no, no. Ah, no. It took her a year to write those three pages. Um, so what what goes on in those three pages? There was a lot of thought went into it. Yeah. Alors, je crois que j'ai imaginé toutes les fins et les suites possibles, mais justement comme je j'ai réalisé que. L'important pour moi dans cette écriture de ce roman, c'était vraiment la rencontre à ce moment précis de la vie de ces personnages. Mais en fait, je m'en fichais de savoir vraiment qui ils étaient, d'où ils venaient, ce qu'ils feraient après. So she said she she spent a long time imagining all the possible endings, but um, and the, 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 the resolutions for these two characters. But then she realized that what really that she wasn't really interested in what had happened to, to them before, where they'd come from, or where they were going afterwards. It was just what she was interested in was at that moment in time. Je crois que j'ai vraiment écrit ce roman en faisant énormément confiance à l'imaginaire du lecteur pour comprendre mm -hmm. ce que je ne dis pas, parce que je n'avais mm -hmm. pas envie de tout expliquer, en fait. So she said she wrote, she wrote this book um, putting a lot of faith in her readers' imaginations and for, for them to be able to understand and um, create all the things that she didn't say. And I think that's part of, you know, one of, one of the great joys of the book, you know, that, that there is so much space for the reader to, you know, fill in the blanks, as it were. Une chose que je trouve merveilleuse aujourd'hui, grâce au fait d'être traduite un peu partout dans le monde et de faire beaucoup de, de rencontres, notamment dans les écoles, c'est qu'il y a beaucoup de jeunes étudiants qui m'envoient la suite qu'ils ont écrite eux-mêmes, en fait. Donc, j'ai plein d'imaginaires possibles que j'aurais même pas imaginé moi-même, en fait. Les fins qu'ils imaginaient, ou les résolutions. Oui, oui. Ils écrivent en fait la suite possible. La suite, ok, oui. So she said one of the things that this book's been translated into a number of languages, and one of the things that she's really enjoyed doing is being able to meet with um, kids in schools, young students who've, who've, who've read this book. And that one of the things that, that she loves is to see that sometimes what they've done is they've imagined their own endings, their own continuations. Um, and I think in my teaching days, I, that's an assignment I would have given. You know, how do you, you know, write the next chapter, right, right, you know, or, or come back to Sokcho a year later and, and write, write a chapter from the book. So Elisa's enjoyed reading those. Um, 
Peut-être juste pour répondre un peu plus sérieusement quand même à la question, mmh. il y a beaucoup de lecteurs qui me disent qu'ils trouvent que ça se termine de façon triste parce qu'il mmh. ne se passe rien concrètement <rire> entre les hommes et les femmes. Et mmh. ce n'est pas ce que je perçois, en fait. Oui, elle dit que beaucoup de lecteurs ont dit qu'ils trouvent que l'ending est très triste parce qu'en en fait, rien ne se passe entre ces deux personnages. Ils ne se sont pas ensemble. Il n'y a pas de rom-com ending, vous savez. Ce n'est pas tout wrapped up. Et pour certaines personnes, c'est très triste. Ça signifie un sad ending. Mais pour moi, en fait, et pour quand même certains lecteurs qui y voient aussi autre chose, ce n'est pas une fin négative parce que mm. l'important ce n'était pas une histoire d'amour entre eux, mm. c'était plutôt ce qu'ils trouvent de, en eux-mêmes grâce à la rencontre l'un de l'autre. Mm. Yeah, so she said, it, it's, 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 for her it's not a sad ending because it, the story is not about the love story that there might or might not have been between these two characters. It's, a, the, it's how their meeting, their coming together has enabled them to find things in themselves. So each of their, you know, a personal journey, journey of, of, of discovery rather than a, just a neatly wrapped up love story. Et pour moi, du coup, ils ont quand même atteint quelque chose d'essentiel puisque elle elle découvre à la fin qu'elle a vraiment existé dans le regard de cet homme puisqu'elle rêvait d'être dessinée et elle voit qu'en en fait, elle a vraiment été dessinée par lui sans le savoir. Mmh. Et lui, il a peut-être trouvé une autre, un autre sens à son métier alors qu'il a des années de carrière et peut-être un, nou un nouveau souffle pour la suite. Mmh. So, so she says that, that for both of the characters, they both found something that the, the, the female character, she'd been looking for, was she wanting to be seen and she, she saw that she was seen in, 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 the, in the way that this male character drew her and that, that that had been something that she'd been wanting for herself and for him too, that maybe he's found a way of, of, of a new meaning to his work, a, a new way of going about his work after all those years of, of a career. Perhaps this has added something to his work and given him a new direction. That's great. That's yeah. I could I could listen to you, <laughs> could listen to you both talk and translate this all day and just mm -hmm. daydream about what you know what's going on in this book. For those who join us, this is a May 2021 interview with Franco-Korean writer Elisa Shua de Sapin and her English translator Anissa Abbas Higgins about their winner of the 2021 National Book Award for Translated Literature, Winter in Sokchow. The host for this discussion was the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. To learn more about the Loft Literary Center, please visit loft.org. To listen to this entire interview, please visit us on Facebook at forward slash Lou Reads FM. We have, I think, time for one last question, which I, I love that all these questions are folding into what, um, what you were both saying. But um, one of the questions is actually about what the experience has been like um, for you, Eliza, to work with... Uh, multiple publishers and multiple translators um, for this book. Uh, it's, if I remember in the intro, it was six languages that it's been translated into now. Alors, entre temps, j'ai même la chance finalement d'avoir encore plus de traductions. Il y en a presque 20 maintenant, des langues. Et donc, c'est vrai que ça m'ouvre à une quantité de cultures et de pays que j'aurais jamais, jamais de ma vie imaginé euh, euh, connaître aussi intimement dans les, voilà, mmh. les, les rapports avec des traducteurs. Par exemple, il y a en Arménie, c'est traduit en arménien et je, en fait, je, je comprends évidemment tellement rien à l'arménien mmh. que je, 
je ne déchiffre même pas l'écriture, donc c'est très, très difficile pour moi. So, so in, in, in fact, it's been translated into even more languages. It's up to about 20 now. And that it's been enormously interesting and, and, and enriching for Elisa to have encounters with, with these cultures and languages that she knows nothing about. It was Armenie, oui. Armenien, tu as dit, oui. So, so it's been translated into Armenian. A, a language that she can't even she can't even decipher the alphabet. Um, so the, the communication with, with with these translators is enormously enriching for her. En fait, ce que je trouve particulièrement incroyable, c'est de voir comment d'une culture à une autre, les questions qu'on me pose sont très très différentes. Et mm -hmm. ça, c'est vraiment extrêmement euh, intéressant pour moi en tant qu'auteur. Yeah, and seeing seeing what's also extremely interesting for her is 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 seeing the different questions that the, the, the different cultures that come from the, that the readers put to her um, from the different languages and cultures that she has been translated into. That's always interesting. Okay, so she said that particularly in the West, the, the, the question, one of the questions that, that, that people always ask her is why there is so much talk about food in the book, in Western countries. And... Et en fait, ce qui m'a fait rire, c'est que le livre est traduit notamment en coréen, et mm -hmm. quand je suis allée en Corée, on m'a absolument jamais posé cette question. C'est <laughs> normal là-bas, en fait, qu'on parle tout en nourriture. So, so she's also been translated into Korean, and when she went to Korea to talk about the book, nobody even mentioned the food at all. The fact that there was so much about food this is absolutely normal to talk about food in, in Korean books. That's so funny. I, which speaking of, how many people besides me asked about the butter on the banana? <laughs> ah, yeah. That has been. I can't. I can't stop thinking about that. <laughs> Alors, je dois avouer que parfois je m'amuse aussi quand j'écris, et là j'ai juste imaginé quelque chose d'un peu bizarre, et je me suis dit. Sometimes she has to admit that sometimes when she's writing, she's just having fun, and she just imagines things that are completely bizarre to her, that seem even bizarre to her. So, um, yes, it's funny that you picked up on that one, Kaya. Je crois que j'ai été un peu influencée parce que j'ai passé. Euh, plus de six mois de résidence d'écriture aussi euh, aux États-Unis. Mm. Et j'ai aussi de la famille qui vient des États-Unis. Et là-bas, j'ai toujours été frappée de, de la passion pour le beurre de cacahuète, qu'on met <rire> beaucoup de choses. Et du coup, je me suis dit, c'est pas du beurre de cacahuète avec la banane, mais du beurre de vache. Oui. <rire> Un peu okay. d'œil. So she, she, she'd spent about six months living in the, in, in the States and, and um, she has family in the States as well. And that while she was there, she discovered the joy of peanut butter. And so that for her, um, for her, her character was peanut butter and bananas. It's, yeah, um, she, it's not peanut butter. It's, it, it's butter butter, cow butter, cow milk butter. Yeah, peanut butter, peanut butter on bananas, I understand. That's... Mm -hmm. That's a weekly snack in our house, everyone. No questions asked. No questions asked. Um, I don't think we have any other questions at this time. So um, I, I think, unless either of you, uh, I will ask very quickly, actually, um, if either of you have anything you would like to mention or, or plug. I know, Elisa, you have, um, you have a book that came out not too recently or is about to be published, correct? Elisa? 
Euh, alors, j'ai un troisième roman, Vladivostok Circus, qui est apparu en août 2020, euh, effectivement. Et euh, donc voilà, je ne sais pas si un jour il sera traduit en anglais, ce serait un honneur pour moi. En tout cas, je sais qu'en ce moment, Anissa est en train de travailler sur mon deuxième roman, donc je suis extrêmement honorée et, et aussi simplement, je vous remercie toutes et tous de pouvoir permettre un échange avec l'autre bout du monde parce que pour moi, ça reste complètement incroyable de me dire que mes livres sont lus comme ça, en fait. So, um, Elise's most recent book is a, is a wonderful book called um, Vladivostok Circus. And that is not yet, um, has not yet been translated into English. Um, and I am currently working on her second novel, which is called Pachinko Balls. Um, and it's, um, I'm very honored to be doing it. It's, um, it's set in Tokyo, so in a hot summer. So it's not winter in Sokcho, it's summer in Tokyo. Um, But um, that's that's where we are at the moment, and we're hoping that Vladivostok, Vladivostok will follow at some point. Yeah. And um, is is Dawn doing pachinko balls as well? Yes, yeah, Dawn, yeah, Dawn is doing pachinko balls. Okay, yeah. so yeah. that's great, uh, yeah. and everyone can keep an eye out for that. And yeah, it'll probably be sometime next year that, that the UK edition will come out. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, and. Uh, I don't know if Elise is working on another novel now. Yes. Yes, she is. Okay, she's not going to say anything about it. <laughs> yeah. That is completely, completely fine. So I will again say thank you, Elisa, and thank you, Anissa, both so much, not just for joining us today and, and talking um, about Winter and Soap Show, but also for bringing it into the world, just giving it to us as readers to enjoy. And also like to thank the Loft members who make these events possible and to their sponsors, again, St. Catherine University and the Star Tribune. So again, thank you very much and look forward to more from both Elisa and Anissa. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. I enjoyed it. That's it for this episode of Louisville Reads. Summer reading is here. 2022 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, The Nathan Yahoo's by Joshua Cohen in June, followed by The Man Booker's after that. This is Louisville Reads. I'm Dave Campbell. Thanks for listening.